0: They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be softening our hearts to hear your voice this morning. I pray that as I speak, that I will be speaking your words. And Lord, your words would stick in our hearts and my words would fall away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a musical in the West End. Those of you who know me well know that I absolutely love the theatre. There's a musical in the West End called Come From Away. And it tells the story of, the true story, of the people of Gander, Newfoundland, um, during the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City. On that day, 7,000 people were on flights that were diverted and grounded at Gander Airport. And the show tells the story of the hospitality of the people. Those people, they came together, they gave everything that they had to these people coming off the planes. The people of Ganda, there were only about 7,000 of them anyway, so their population doubled in size during the 9 11 attacks. And those people, they opened up their buildings, they gave everything they had so that the people coming off the planes were comfortable. This group of people, they had almost everything that they needed, like the early church, to function as a Christian community. The only thing they were missing was Jesus. So how do our gatherings as Christians, as church, how do they differ? Why do we gather specifically as Christians, not simply as nice people who like to do good things? The answer is simple. We want God's kingdom to grow. In the final sentence of the passage today, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is why we gather, so that we can glorify God and share Jesus with other people, so that more and more people come to know him. And that's why it's not enough to simply be nice or to do good things, like the people of Ganda. Those are very valid things, and of course, in an international incident, you're probably going to be nice, aren't you? But we know, as Christians, we know that there is more. We know that there is an eternal hope through belief in Jesus that will bring us face-to-face with our creator. And that is why we gather to worship God, to praise him, to pray together. Because we want more people to know that hope. We want more people to know Jesus. And that should be our motivation in everything that we do. For example, Jamie mentioned it, the Clapham Sunday, which is happening on July 7th, in just a few weeks' time. That's a great opportunity for people to come along and get to know who Jesus is. Yes, we're putting on a great service. We're putting on loads of food afterwards. There'll be bouncy castles, face painting, a Pim's tent. Yes, we are doing that so that people from the common, the people of our community, can come and share in our hospitality. But that is only one reason our ultimate reason for putting on Clapham Sunday is to see more people come to know Jesus. And that's why for us who come here often, who come here every week, that's why we need to be inviting people. There's no point in putting on a service that only Christians come to if we want more people to know Jesus. We have to be inviting people. We have to be bringing them into the community And perhaps you know someone, and maybe they actually won't come to church on a Sunday, but they would come to everything that we're doing after Clapham Sunday, all the food, all the bouncy castles. Invite them to that. Bring them along. Share Jesus with them in your conversations, in the way that you act around each other, in the way that we share love with one another. So why do we gather? We gather so that more people come to know Jesus. And so my next question is, how do we gather? And that's where the rest of the passage comes in. Firstly, we gather in worship. Let's read verse 42 together. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What did those disciples in the early church do when they gathered? They devoted themselves to four things. That word devoted in the Greek can be translated as steadfastly continuing or continually devoting themselves. There's a direction to the verb. It's not just a one-time thing. You don't just devote yourselves once but we continue and continue to devote ourselves. And so that's why we come together every Sunday, that's why we come together midweek, so that we can be continually devoting ourselves to Jesus. And so what are the four things that the disciples devoted themselves to? Firstly, apostles' teaching. We should be gathering to hear teaching from the Bible as we do every Sunday. The apostles, they would have taught from the Old Testament and taught how Jesus fulfilled those Old Testament prophecies. And then that's what we have in the New Testament. And that's what we hear on a Sunday. That's why we come together to hear the whole story of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Secondly, we should gather for fellowship. And that happens on a Sunday, but it also happens midweek, during connect groups, during Trinity toddlers, Trinity babies, Trinity crawlers, whatever group it is, wherever you come together as a Christian community to share in Jesus, that is fellowship. Thirdly, the breaking of bread. In the Greek, this is referring to the Lord's Supper, or it's often called communion. When we gather, we should share in bread and wine as a remembrance that Christ died for us. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. When we gather, we should pray. However we gather, wherever we gather, we should pray. Prayer is our way of communicating with God. So let's make sure that we are a praying community. I actually, personally, I find praying on my own really easy. And because I like to talk a lot, I find praying with other people quite hard. But it's something we have to devote ourselves to when we come together as a community to pray for each other and to pray for others to know Jesus. So that's gathering in worship. Next, we see that the disciples gathered by sharing Let's read verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I think as as Christians, as church, we find gathering for worship probably quite easy. It happens on a Sunday. You come along and we have a service. It's kind of easy. However, I think sharing... Is much harder. The disciples, when they uh, were physically with Jesus, they had something called a common purse where they put all of their belongings, everything that they had, together in a common purse with the rest of all 12 of them, and they used it to buy their food, they used it to give to the poor, they used basically whenever they had a need, they could use the money from the common purse and i imagine when there were 12 of them it probably was a little bit challenging but it was quite simple for 12 and then at pentecost which happens just before our passage today there were 3000 people added to their number so they were just over 3000 and still they had a common purse still they tried and tried to keep this common purse to have everything in common and we read in our passage, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And so I think there are two things that we can learn as a community living in the 21st century. The first thing that we can learn is how they viewed each other. The phrase in verse 44, which says, all the believers were together can be translated from the Greek as all believers were together the same. This means that they didn't see themselves as better than anyone else. They didn't see themselves as better than the person who hasn't been a Christian for as long as they have. They saw each other the way that God sees them. As equal, as the same, regardless of who they were, and what their history was. And that's how we should see everyone that we meet. God sees each and every one of us in this room as his child, as his beloved. And that is how we as Christians should be viewing each person that we see. When someone is accepted into the family of Christ, we're called into the same family and we each have the same status in God's eyes. And so that is how we should be treating and how we should be viewing all of those around us. And I think the second thing that we can learn from the early church is that they shared like a family. Think about this for a moment. Hypothetically, there's a family of four. There's two parents and there's two children. One of the parents decides, they goes off to work, decides, comes back and says, um, I'm not going to share my money with you. I'm going to keep it all to myself. This is my money. I don't want you to have any of it to the rest of the family. And so the other parent who also goes off to work decides, okay, me too. I'm not going to share my money with you either. It's all mine. So you have two parents who are quite, reasonably well-off, and then two children who have nothing because their parents haven't shared it with them. Now, that, I think, for us in the 21st century, is probably bizarre. It's crazy. It would be reported as a safeguarding issue of neglect. We would never do that, I don't think. I'd hope not. So why is it so easy for us to share with our biological families but we find it so hard to share with our God-given family. God doesn't expect us to give everything away. We see later in the passage that they shared a meal in their home. So we know that these disciples had their own homes. They had their own family spaces, but they still shared everything else. It doesn't necessarily need to be material It could be time, it could be resources, it could be a skill that you might have. Something that could help someone draw closer to Jesus. Somebody once said to me that their property that they owned wasn't theirs, it was God's. And I think that is the key. That's how we should view everything that we have. Everything that we have been blessed with, whether it's money, whether it's a home, whether it's a family, whether it's skills, whatever it is, we have been blessed with it by God. And so what is God asking us to do with our resources? Some of us here might feel a bit like the rich young ruler in in Luke who gets asked to give everything away and doesn't. And that's disobedience to God. Others might be like Zacchaeus in Luke 19, who gave half his possessions away, just as Jesus had told him to. Others might be like the women in Luke 8, who support the ministry of Jesus out of their own means. They aren't actually asked to give their resources away, but they use what they have to support Jesus and the disciples in their ministry. And I think that is relevant for all of us. However little we might have, we can still support the work of the church. And whichever category you feel you fall into, there is a challenge for all of us. Do we see our resources as God's or do we see them as our own? Bearing that question in mind, now might also be a good time to review our own giving to the church, both financially, but also in how we use our time and our skills. Do you have skills, do you have time that you could give to the church? On a Sunday morning, serving in children's and youth, maybe, or perhaps in the week, helping out with one of the various different groups that we run, Of course, we don't all have time. Lots of us don't have that much time to spare. But I think God wants us all to share something of what we have been blessed with. Are we coming to church on a Sunday, consuming, taking, and coming just for our own individual God fix? And then leaving again and not really thinking about it until the next week? Or are we giving? Are we giving back to the family? Are we sharing what we have with those around us? So we've seen that the church gathers in worship and they gather by sharing. And finally, we see that they gather in fellowship let's read verse 46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There are two very clear activities that the disciples shared in here. They are meeting together and they're eating together. They met in the temple courts That's a bit like what we do here on a Sunday morning when we have tea and coffee. It's likely that in the early church, they would have gathered in a place called Solomon's Colonnade, which was essentially a long porch in the outer temple. They would have met together to have a chat, to see how everyone's getting on, exactly what we do before our services on a Sunday. They also ate together. The phrase used to describe this is breaking bread, but this is different in the Greek to the breaking of bread earlier in the passage. This time around, it simply means to share a meal together. I recently went on holiday to Edinburgh. I went on my own. I had a great time. I explored loads of the city, and I ate basically all of my meals alone. I eat quite a lot on my own, but when I was on holiday, I went to some nice restaurants, And I realised that I found it quite difficult not to have anyone to talk about the food with. There's something really special, I think, about going to a nice restaurant and eating good food with other people and being able to talk about the experience, being able to say, oh, I've never had that one thing before and frankly, I'm never going to eat it again. There's something really special about sharing a meal together. Perhaps you often eat alone or as a family you don't eat together very often and I would love to encourage you to find the time to eat together, whether it's as a family, whether it's with Christian friends. Find the time to share that experience because there's something really special about eating together as a community of God's people. We see at the end of verse 46, it says that they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That is what, making, what makes eating together so great. It's the attitude of our hearts. To be thankful for what we're eating and to be thankful for the community That we are sharing it with. And so we have seen how we gather through worship, by sharing, and through fellowship. And we know why we gather so that more people will come to know Jesus. But we can also see from this passage how our attitude should be towards gathering verse 47, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The people praised God and they found favor with everyone there. That word favor can also be translated as grace. And so their attitudes towards gathering together was to praise God and to be grace-filled. That should be our attitude when we come to church, when we join together in worship. Are we praising God and are we grace-filled? Those of you who are beady-eyed may well have noticed that I've missed out verse 43. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the people, they were praising God, and they were grace-filled, but they were also filled with awe. Their response to God's goodness and his grace was to praise him and to be filled with awe. And so as a church community, as a community of Christians, when we gather, we have three responses Firstly, upwards to God, we should be praising God. Secondly, outward to the people and the community around us, we should be grace filled towards them. And finally, inwardly, we should be filled with awe. Our heart should be filled with awe at the wonders of God. And so, is that our attitude? Are we praising God? Are we filled with grace and filled with awe? Whether that's at church, whether it's in connect group, whether it's with Christian friends, as a family, we should be praising God. We should be grace-filled towards others and we should be filled with awe at the works of God. And so why do we gather? We gather so that God will grow the church And we've seen that here at HTC. We've grown, so let's continue to gather together. It's an encouragement that we have been growing, and that's why we should be all filled. God has brought people in and will continue to bring people in. And how do we gather? By worshipping him, by sharing our resources with one another. And sharing our lives through fellowship with each other. And that's the challenge. Do we come to church to share with one another, or do we come to church simply to get our own personal God fix, see our friends, and then leave again? Is church just another thing to do on the weekend? Or are we really believing in God throughout the whole week? Are we simply coming as consumers, or are we giving back to the family too? Those people of Gander that I mentioned at the beginning—they helped those seven thousand plain people who landed there during 9/11. They managed to get together and to give to 7,000 people. And although I'm sure that there were some Christians in that group, primarily they weren't a Christ-centered group, yet they managed to come together and to do what they did without Jesus. So how much more can we do when we put Jesus at the center? How much more can we do when God is in control when God is using us as his hands and his feet. The people of Ganda gathered to give to the people from the plains. And so what is our attitude towards gathering? Are are you a person of Ganda who gives or a person from the plain who simply consumes. Our vision here at HTC is every life bearing fruit for Jesus. That's our vision and that is why we gather. Not to see friends, not even to get our own personal God fix. We gather so that more people will come to know Jesus. I'd love to invite the band up and I'd love to invite everyone to stand. We are going to have a time now of response. The band are going to lead us in a couple of songs. And during that time, if you'd love prayer, we'll have some people at the front who will be ready to pray with you if you would love someone to pray with you. But I think there are two groups of people that I would love to pray for. The first are those who struggle with the idea of sharing, those who struggle with the idea of seeing church as family. Perhaps that phrase that I used of, this isn't mine, it's God's, really struck with you. If that's you please do come forward for prayer. I'm going to say a prayer at the end that will also cover that, but if you'd love to pray with someone, please do come forward. And the second group of people are those who come simply to consume. You might not even know that that's what you're, you're doing, so perhaps ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it in you. But I'm going I'm to pray for you now, for those of you who that's that's true for you. And I'm going to pray that God will soften your heart, that he will transform your heart so that you will desire to come together in fellowship and to come together as a family. And that phrase, it's just another thing to do on the weekend, I think if that really struck with you, please do come forward for prayer. So There'll be some people who... Would love to pray with you. So, connect group leaders, anyone who um, was on hosting, please do come forward and be ready to pray with people. I'm going to pray and then we are going to respond with two songs Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have called us to live in community with one another. And Lord, I pray for all those here who come to church to consume. And Lord, I pray that you would transform their hearts and their minds, that you would give them a desire for church not just to be something to do on the weekend, but church to be life, to live life with the family of God's people. Lord, I pray for each of us as we respond that you would be speaking to us and that we would be ready to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.